Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Are you discouraged now? Are you discouraged in your prayers for maybe one of your children, maybe one of your grandchildren, maybe some of the people around you? Does it seem like your prayers haven't been answered? Listen, it's not done yet. You have to continue to move forward to find a way. We hope you will stay with us for an encouraging message on persevering and being diligent when we come before God with our requests. God is a God who keeps His promises. Our part is to remain patient in prayer and focused in our faith. Here's more in our series, Jesus Appointments, out of Mark 2, 1 through 12, where Jesus meets a paralytic whose friends persevered in faith. Jesus took authority over every sickness. He uh, took authority over, the, over Peter's uh, mother-in-law's fever, and he cast it out. He just, he just took authority and, and sent the, the fever away. And he'll do the same thing with this paralyzed guy. But he says, your sins are forgiven you. Now I picture the they. We got some they there, right? They're up on the roof looking in, and he says, your sins are forgiven you. And they're like, no, we didn't, we didn't bring him for that. We didn't bring him to have his sins forgiven. He's paralyzed. We didn't think we had to give an explanation when we lowered him through the roof as to what we were hoping that you would do for him. But what Jesus does in this moment is so significant for you and I. He recognized that this man was paralyzed but had a greater need. And the greater need for a paralyzed man is to have his sins forgiven. That tells us that the greatest need that we have is that our sins would be forgiven. We might consider ourselves to have a great need right now. There may be, may be some real difficulties that you're facing and going through, and you might be asking God for certain things, or have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? Have you asked Him to make things right between you and Him? Because one of the things that we are shown from this incredible miracle, this incredible appointment with this paralyzed man, is that Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And the greatest need that I have is that my sins would be forgiven. Because then that takes me into eternity. Whatever happens in this life, when this life is done, is done and it is behind me and I will go on into eternity with Him. And no matter what hardships I faced here, no matter what difficulties I faced here, if my sins weren't forgiven, then I don't go on into eternity with Him. And so by Jesus taking a paralyzed man who obviously needed to be healed from being paralyzed and in his to show that he is the Messiah, he is healing people, and to tell him that his sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes, verse 6, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, why does this man speak blasphemy like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And here's the thing. They're right. They're wrong, and they're right. They're wrong. Jesus is not speaking blasphemous words. They're right. Only God can forgive sins. If you sin against me, if you offend me, or I sin against you, you can forgive me. But you can't forgive me of sins I committed to someone else. It's only God that can wipe everything clean. It's only Him who can forgive. And so they are right. There is a statement being made here that Jesus is God. That was part of His point for forgiving their sins. 
Never do we see that anybody had the ability to just forgive someone's sins, but only God could do it. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. First of all, Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And I don't know that I need to say it again, but Jesus knows exactly what's going on in our lives. He knows when we're pretending. He knows when we're not sincere. He knows when we're hypocritical. He knows whether or not we're serious about really serving him and following him. He knows every struggle that we go through. And so he says, which is easier to say? Now, let's think about that. Which one is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or take up your bed and walk? He couldn't have been talking about how complicated it was to actually say those words because they're the same. You can say anything that you want to say. But which one is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? Both of them are incredibly difficult. But a paralytic could be healed by God. But in order for Jesus to forgive sins, he's going to have to go to the cross. So that this paralyzed man is receiving salvation, forgiveness of sins, the same way that Abraham received it. Remember when Abraham told, when God told Abraham that he was going to have a son through Sarah and that it was going to be through that son, Isaac, that the nations of the world were going to be blessed? And the Bible says, and Abraham believed and it was accredited to him righteousness. God gave him credit for righteousness. And he's doing the same thing here. Which one is easier to say? They wouldn't have cried blasphemy if he had told them to, to pick up your bed and walk, but they cried blasphemy when he said, your sins are forgiven you. But then he says something very interesting. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, take up your bed and go to your house. He just commanded him to pick up his bed and go to his house. And immediately upon that command was the power for that man to get up, that paralyzed man to get up. It's like when Jesus said to the man with a withered hand, stretch out your hand. Someone would say, that's a mean thing to say to a man with a withered hand. Except if with the command comes the power to be able to stretch out your hand. So Jesus says, so that you will know that I have the power to forgive sins, something invisible, pick up your bed and take it with you, something visible. They saw the miraculous take place in the visible so that they would know that God could do something that was miraculous, maybe even more miraculous, that was invisible, that our sins are forgiven. For, for all of us that have come to Christ and asked him to forgive our sins, that's such an incredible work that he's done. It's something that I hope from time to time you get struck with that incredible truth that God has pardoned you, that he has forgiven you, that he has forgiven me. So he did this very visible thing that he might be able to show them that he can do the invisible. Verse 10 again, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and they glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes about the they. 
it, it says they're early in the passage, then they came, bringing a paralytic with them, four men carrying them. I, I want to talk about they and how that relates to us. Because Jesus said there, when he saw their faith, he said to him, your sins are forgiven. The first thing that they did for this paralyzed man was do something that he himself could not do. And I'm wondering if you might be able to be a they in the life of someone around you. Is there someone around you that is paralyzed spiritually, that would never go to church, that would never walk in these doors? There are people that think that if they walk into these doors that, you know, the sun will stop shining, that they don't know what goes on here. But if you invite them to church, they're like, no, nope, nope, not going to do it. They just will not go in. Are you able to do what they cannot do? Meaning, through prayer, can you bring that person before the Lord? They might not be able to come into church and sit down because they're paralyzed spiritually. They're paralyzed with fear of coming before God. Are you able to take a spiritually paralyzed person and bring them before God? That's what, that's what prayer is. That's what intercession is. When we are committed to pray for the people around us. I think about what I might be able to do for the people that are around me that I come into contact with. I think about how God has filled us with his Holy Spirit and how out of us gush torrents of living water and that God has sent you out into the world as light and salt. And it is no coincidence that you are interacting with the people that are around you. You could easily feel that way, but this is all organized and designed by God. It says in the book of Acts that God has put us in times and places. He put us in this time. He put us in this place. He put the people around us for us to be able to influence. And I encourage you to be praying for those people around you and to see what God would do. Do what they will not do and bring them before God. Bring them to Jesus. The second thing that I see that they did is that they did not give up. It might have been easy for them to show up at that house, to see all those crowds of people, to try to get in a little bit, and then to go, sorry, I guess you're just going to have to stay paralyzed. Maybe we can get to them later. But instead, they climbed up on the roof. You ever had somebody run across your roof? When I was a kid, we, 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 we crawled up onto, uh, 12 years old or so, we crawled up on an apartment complex and we ran across the top of the apartment complex. All the people came pouring out, yeah, yelling at us and us trying to, to run away. When we were having a service at our West Campus years ago, some kids climbed up on top of the, the roof and started running around on top. You'd have thought the whole place was coming down. They had to know it was going to cause a scene. But they didn't care. They weren't going to give up. Even though they ran into something that held them back, even though they weren't able to get in to see Jesus, they thought we are going to make our own way and we're going to continue. And I think of all of the stories that Jesus gives us about persevering, about making sure that we don't give up. We're told to ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep seeking, and you will find and you will receive and the door will be open to you. Jesus told two parables, which are strange parables. He told the parable of a neighbor. And the, the par I call it the parable of the annoyed neighbor. So one man had guests that came to visit him at night and he didn't have enough bread. And so he went to his neighbor's house late and he knocked on his door. And the guy said, my whole family's in bed. Go away, I'm not gonna give you bread. But he kept knocking and he wouldn't go away. 
And so finally, the guy opens up the door and throws bread out at him so that it'll go away. And so Jesus said, so you continue to pray. So you persevere in your prayers. Now, what kind of parable is that? Is Jesus saying that if we keep asking him, you know, that Michael and Gabriel are trying to sleep up in heaven and we're like, please, God, God, please. And God's like, finally, okay, I'll do it. Could you keep praying? Now, it's, it's not a parable of comparison. We're not comparing God to the annoyed neighbor. It's a parable of contrast. If an annoyed neighbor would give bread because a neighbor keeps knocking, how much more will your heavenly father give to you when you continue, when you find a new way, when you're not willing to give up? Are you discouraged now? Are you discouraged in your prayers for maybe one of your children, maybe one of your grandchildren, maybe some of the people around you? Does it seem like your prayers haven't been answered? Listen, it's not done yet. You have to continue to move forward, to find a way. The other parable was of a judge that had ruled wrongly for a widow. And she showed up every day at work and said, rule for me. Until finally he did because he didn't want to see her anymore. Again, it's not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. If an unjust judge, because he's annoyed, will finally give to a woman who keeps asking, how much more will God give to you if you keep asking? And again, this is the Word of God. The Bible says through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. God has given us promises and we have to have faith. When he saw their faith, he said, your sins are forgiven and we have to have patience. We have to continue on and maybe become even more fervent. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Finally, the they here broke through. They dug through the ceiling. They continued on until they had dug through the ceiling and lowered that man down before him. I'm going to take you back to my Pentecostal days. When I was a, a teenager, I went to several different Pentecostal churches. And we would say, have you prayed through? You would talk about some frustration that you had. And they wouldn't ask, have you prayed about it? They would say, have you prayed through? Meaning, have you continued to pray? Until there's a breakthrough. Until you finally see it happen. They believed that they could get him to Jesus. And if they could get him to Jesus, that he would be healed. And they saw that young man, because again, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. They saw that young man healed from being paralyzed and they saw his sins forgiven more than they could ever have thought. The Bible says that our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So again, I ask, is there someone in your life that you can be a they? Then they came bringing a paralyzed man. Could you be that person that would have enough faith to say, I'm going to bring this, this person before the Lord. I'm going to seek God for him. And I'm not going to quit until I break through and actually see that thing happen. The second thing that I want us to, to consider in closing is that since this is about forgiveness and him showing us that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive, has your spiritual paralysis been forgiven? Have you found forgiveness? Jesus, when he began to preach, began to, to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that is that you are willing to change. That you say, Lord, I want you in my life. The Bible says that if we ask, we will receive. And if we will repent and forgive others, then we too can be forgiven. 
Jesus said, taught us to pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. We don't want to keep things against people either. And if you're here today and you have never had your sins forgiven, I don't want you to leave without an opportunity to do that. You have come into this place and the same Jesus who was in that house in Capernaum that that paralyzed man was lowered down to him is here with you today and he has gone to the cross and he has forgiveness with him and he will forgive you of your sins. He will call you into the family of God. He will adopt you as his son and daughter and your life will be transformed forever if you would call out upon his name today. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you so much again for the opportunity that we have to be able to gather together and to study your word and to see this very early miracle where Jesus forgives this young man of his sins and where whoever the they are, that they brought this man to Jesus and they would not give up and they broke through. And Lord, we think of the people in our lives that have wandered away from you or the people who are bound in addiction or the people who are bound in some kind of a, maybe some kind of, of anxiety or panic or disorder. We think of the people in our lives that are just struggling. They're just going through it. And Lord, we pray that we would be those that would bring them before you and that we would be dogged in it, that we would, we would be diligent in bringing them before you. And we pray that we would break through, that we would do it until we see you move and we see the miracle that takes place because we have enough faith to call out upon you and to bring them before you. We pray now that you would do a work here in this room with those that are here who have never given their lives to you, that they, you would give them boldness to take this next step and to begin that great adventure that you have for them in Christ. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. This won't take a long time. I'm also gonna ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here momentarily. But if you're here today, and you have never received Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says in John 1, 12, that as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God, even to those who believe in his name. That means that you have to invite him in. You have to be deliberate about it. I grew up in a church that taught that as long as you went to church, you were a Christian. But it was there in that church that somebody told me I had to deliberately invite him in and I invited Christ into my life and I was born again. My life changed in a radical way when I surrendered my life to him. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You may have been born into a religious family. You may be a religious person, but do you have a relationship with the living God? Uh, have you been adopted into the family of God, having your sins forgiven? And if you haven't, all you need to do is call out upon his name. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you call out upon the name of the Lord, that you will be saved. And that is true for anyone here that is here. If you call out upon his name, then you will be saved. I'm gonna ask you to do something simple if you wanna invite Christ into your life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you wanna surrender your life to the Lord today, then raise your hand. Just lift your hand up, lift it up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. God bless you guys, that's great. God bless you back under the balcony there. That's awesome. You're saying, I want Christ in my life today. God bless you out in, the, out in the pavilion. And those of you online, if you want to 
to invite Christ into your life. If you're by yourself, just raise your hand. If you're with family who are Christians, just raise your hand. Just now, raise it and, and God will see it. And, and, and if you're driving, you're listening to this on Reach Radio, then just pray this prayer with me. And God bless you, sir, under the, uh, the mezzanine there as well. All right, you can put your hands down. And I would like everyone, including those who raise their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sins that I can live for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Welcome to the family of God. How exciting. How exciting. When I was 14 years old and I prayed a prayer very similar to that, I told you that my life was literally transformed. I became a new person. And the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away and everything becomes new. I wanted to start doing what Jesus wanted me to do, which before I got saved, I didn't want to do. I wanted to know the Bible. I wanted to know what the Bible said, which before I got saved, I didn't want to know what the Bible said. If you gave your life to Christ today, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to talk to you about where to begin to read your Bible at. So we have a new believers table that's off to the side over here. All right. And um, I also want to pray for you before we worship in our last song. And I want you to pray for those of you that you know that may be struggling now. I think of that list again in Isaiah 61, where Jesus read this and talked about this being fulfilled in their hearing. Hearing. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, the poor in spirit and even to the poor physically. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted? Or do you know anyone who is brokenhearted? Let's pray for them. To proclaim liberty to the captives, people that may be captive to addiction, people that may be captive to, to some kind of a mental disorder, people that may be captive to stress or anxiety. Is that you or is that someone you know? then let's pray for them. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound, those again who are trapped and are feeling trapped, that we would see them set free to be able to find all that God has for them. So if you want, if you need prayer like that, I'm just going to ask you to reach out your hand towards me. And if you want to pray for somebody that you now know now has some needs, then you raise out your hands towards me as well. You can do the same online. And we want to pray for these things. Father, we want to come before you now in the name of Jesus. We love that we see that when Jesus ran into a paralytic, he told him to pick up his bed and walk. That when he ran into a man with a withered hand, he said, stretch out your hand. When he ran into a, a woman who had a fever, he rebuked the fever and the fever left her. We are asking the one that has authority to be able to heal, to heal. And I pray for those that are captive now to some panic, to some anxiety, to some addiction to some spirit, to some oppression, that they would be set free now. And even as Jesus showed his ability to chase away the whatever caused this man to be paralyzed or to heal the sick, Lord, I pray for those that are sick tonight who are listening, those that have a disease, those that, that have a sickness. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch them and heal them now, that you, Lord, would speak to those illnesses as well, and that we would hear of the miracles that you are doing as you continue to touch people's lives. And we thank you for this 
In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.